S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. Simi Rai here with another one of those podcasts with Simi Rai. This week, we're going to take a look at some of the things going on in TV. Um, we're going to talk about this Paulie Shore, Richard Simmons biopic. We're going to talk about um, the director from John Wick possibly signing a deal, or I guess he signed a deal, to do more John Wick and to do Highlander stuff, possibly, which is a funny thing that's personal to me in one way. We're going to get into why it's personal to me on the podcast. Um, also, I wanted to talk about the um, Hawk TV, uh, T- She-Hawk TV show, She-Hawk Season 2. Is might not be happening, might be canceled, and why it might be canceled. These are a few of the things, along with music of the week, movie of the week, and the after show. I hope you guys are staying warm because it is freezing where I am. And yeah, let's hop right into it. There's a lot of interesting things going on in the MCU in the TV space. I feel like 2024 for the MCU. Is going to be all about their TV or their their TV series. It's so weird calling it a TV series when like it's just streaming. I guess they're streaming series, but um, She-Hulk, uh, the actress from She-Hulk, I don't want to mispronounce her name. Um, she's saying that she does not think that there's going to be a second season, which I think is disappointing. I really like the show. I really like that actress. I believe she's from a TV show called Orphan Black that my wife was really into. Um, very talented. Did a lot of characters I think on Orphan Black. And yeah, it looks like season two of She-Hulk most likely isn't going to happen. Um, she says, yeah, I don't think I don't think so. I think we blew our budget and Disney was like, no, thanks. <laughs> Which I think is, is such a, a great quote for like why your show's not happening again. Just lets it go. Um, but yeah, like I think that's so disappointing. I think they spent $230 million on season one. I know recently someone from Disney spoke out about that, about them you know, them wanting to treat shows more like TV shows and not have these giant movie-like budgets. Um, and I guess that makes sense. I mean, even if you're doing She-Hawk in theaters, I think $200 million budget to start off is just way too much for a film because if you that, mo- that film has to make almost a billion dollars for it to really be considered a success. And it's a brand new character, it's risky. Um, so I guess as a TV show at the time, for Disney, it's okay because it's an investment into the platform um, and whether you like the show or not, I guess, you know, there's there's definitely some amazing things that happen there. Having a CGI character, you know, in a show so much, um, I thought was very impressive. I know they ran into some difficulties and there was talks about, you know, some of the CGI looking spotty. And um, I th- I recently watched Ted. I don't know if Ted is, is as difficult to, you know, CGI, but that show has Ted on the show at least an hour long every episode. And so far, he looks practically perfect. It's been a few years later. Maybe the technology's better. Maybe he's just cheaper to animate. Um, but yeah, she she was. Um, I thought she was awesome on the show. I mean, I think Abomination shows up on the show. So there are other characters that have to get CGI, other special effects. Um, so I guess that makes sense too. A lot of other fighting. I think the Hawks on the show. Actually, now I think about it, it's a lot of CGI characters on that show. And um, yeah, they they pulled it all off, and I remember thinking it, you know, it did feel like you're watching a movie. So those are all really cool things. I mean, I remember watching Luke Cage on Netflix, and while I liked the show, it was annoying sometimes. They're trying to demonstrate his strength, and he feel I feel like he didn't do anything. There wasn't much special effects. They constantly had this thing where like he would grab a door handle, and and twist the handle and break the door because it was locked, and he'd walk through it that way. That was like a big, like a special effect. I feel like they did that like at least three or four times, which 
after two is way too many for that special effect because it's like oh that's cool he can like break the door handle okay and then the second time you're like oh he broke the door handle again um couldn't he like kick the door open or bash it with his shoulder because he's really strong and i think maybe if the third time if that happened or any more times after that it was extremely annoying to me so i never forgot that um or you have to do the thing where he's like standing still and they shoot a bunch of bullets at him they didn't do a lot of stuff to really show how strong he was which was kind of disappointing i think there's even one scene where he's like lifting a van but you can tell the actors he's standing there pretending he's lifting the van i think they put the camera in a certain kind of way so you couldn't see the van being lifted um you know classic i guess old tv show you know tricks to save money but you do lose a lot of the spectacle when you're watching the show um the story from luke cage was was good enough i think for me to enjoy the show but again if you compare it to she hawk i enjoyed the story for she hawk however it had also a lot of comedy and the special effects i thought looked really good on that show so it's a shame they might not do a second season she's saying it's unlikely they're going to do another season and even with that show I remember the episodes being kind of on the shorter side. And um, I know my family and stuff like that was kind of annoyed. If we sit down one week and watch like a 19-minute episode, they really didn't like that. I think some of the episodes are a little bit longer. But that's a show where you're waiting all week for the show to come out. And again, that's a little annoying. I haven't got to get into Echo yet. Um, The entire season is on streaming. I think What If is also completely on there. Um, So again, I think that's a better thing. If you're doing a show... And for some reason, you're going to have these short episodes. Just have them all ready to go. I'm waiting a whole week to watch a very short episode because this week there's not much to do in this particular episode. I think that's a bad idea. You should at least drop two episodes that week or something. The way people can sit down and they can have a good experience with that. I think that's what everyone talks about. And then they're going to talk about it all week long. If you put out an episode that's unsatisfying or the situation isn't satisfying to the viewer, that's going to be a bad thing. So maybe in a few years, they'll change your mind. I definitely think, you know, She-Hulk can show up in other shows. It's like a cameo, um, and it probably won't be as expensive. Used to have her with her one or two scenes here or there. Uh, I think they mentioned she might show up in, in Daredevil, but I definitely hope she shares up shows up in more places. I would hate to see the character completely gone. And in her show, she doesn't really interact with the Avengers or do anything like that to really set up her coming into the movies. Now, not, that, not that well, at least, besides her relationship with the Hulk. Um, yeah, and even that, like, his son was, was teased in, I think, one of the movies. So, like, what happens now if there's a movie? Does, do you have three Hawks on screen? You know, the Hawk, his son, and She-Hawk all fighting someone? That, I think that becomes kind of redundant. I don't think that would be the best way to go about it. Um, so, I don't know what you're going to do with the character. If I like the character, I hope we see more of them. And, yeah, I don't know if there's a way, if we can, like, all rally to bring back She-Hawk season two. But if I see something like that, let you guys know, because I don't want that character to go away. Music of the week. This week, we're giving a shout out to Most Def, who currently is trending. And his album from 2004, The New Danger, um, one of my favorite albums. It was really a special album when I was listening to this, you know, in my my. Basically, coming of age, right? Not, not coming of age. Uh, coming an adult, right? I think I was 19 when this album came out. Um, the New Danger is a great rap album. A great hip-hop album. Um, it has some other kinds of music on there, not just him rapping. One of my favorite songs is The Beggar. I must have listened to The Beggar on loop so many times. Um, as a romantic, which I can be, um, definitely The Beggar is a beautiful, beautiful song. And his performance on that song is absolutely amazing. And it was such a surprising thing, you know, back in 04 to have a rapper, you know, sing a song and 
showed this other kind of emotional side was not something that was very common. And I thought it was, I thought it was genius. Literally the word I would apply to it. Um, the, the whole album is cool. Even the, the beggar goes really great into a song called Champion Requiem, a rec, what Requiem, um, which has a great switch up of the energy because the beggar is so emotional and like lovey. And then Champion Requiem goes into like a more upbeat, you know, cool, like high energy hip hop song to like end, end the whole album on a big grand finale. It's one of those albums that it feels like an album. It feels like a journey with like a movie kind of vibe to it with the beginning, middle and the end, ups and downs, twists and turns. <laughs> classic, classic album. Um, I know he's trending recently now um, because of the whole comment on that show, uh, the Cutting Room Floor podcast. And the whole comment about Drake or whatever. Me and my friends have been talking about it daily. And um, yeah, and I mean, it does, one, it does one of those things that grabs attention. And people go back and, you know, look at his work. Hopefully he's getting a lot of views and, you know, some people going to re rediscover his work. And um, he's a lot of music from that era. But The New Danger is an album I think definitely deserves recognition. And, um, you know, I like him in his films. And I always like all the things Most Def does. But this was one album that I remember probably because I was just turning 19 and um, just getting out of school, just driving in my car, you know, these are all cool things that are going on. And it's an album I don't think a lot of people really talk about or bring up when it comes to classic rap albums, but it absolutely is. So if you guys haven't heard, heard The New Danger or any of Most Def's catalog from that time period, but this one in particular I think was really, really fun, um, go check it out. There's so many good songs in here. I mean, you got to just go through them, really. I don't want to get into every single one of them. The one I know by heart that I know really stuck out the most to me. Was the beggar? My brother, definitely my favorite. Probably my favorite most deaf song out of all of his songs. And it's funny because it's not a rap song necessarily, right? He doesn't rap on that song at all. He's a singing song. Um, I kind of wish he did more music like that afterwards. I don't know if he did or if I never came across it, but it's definitely a good time to jump back in and and go through his catalog. And that's my pick for music of the week. One of the other topics I want to talk about this week is this little Pauly Shore situation going on with supposedly him being cast and making a film, a biopic about um, Richard Simmons, right? Richard Simmons, Pauly Shore, these are all names from my childhood, really. Like, and, um, and I actually followed Pauly Shore on Facebook. I came across his Facebook profile not too long ago. And I've seen this whole thing from how it started. Um, just naturally on his page, you know, he started talking about the idea that maybe he should play Richard Simmons in a biopic, which I just thought was funny. I honestly thought it was like a joke, right? Like, I I have no issue with Pauly Shore. I've always wanted him to be great. As a kid, I liked a lot of his movies when I was younger. Um, I still like Biodome. I still like Encino Man. Um, they're funny, and I, I don't I don't want to dislike Pauly Shore. I like him. I, I want all good things for Pauly Shore. Um, you know, do I agree with everything he does? I do not. Do I... See, there's some bad things that happened there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a shame. I don't know if Paulie's a bad guy or anything like that. I, I don't want to think any of that. But there's something about him. Um, I don't know what it is that seems like a lot of things are just not on the level. And when I started seeing this whole thing take shape, it felt like this is not really happening. Perhaps it was simply him just thinking, you know, fake it till you make it, right? Maybe if he says it enough and gets social media behind him, Maybe it can happen. Wouldn't be the first time. So, I mean, I can't be mad at him. Maybe it's not, it's not really a bad thing. Um, but my, my, I have a friend that always talks about 2024 being the year to scam. And I feel like this bubbled up to being almost scamish 
where apparently he went ahead and he, you know, betrayed Richard Simmons in a, a short film called The Court Jester. And um, it's coming out in a few weeks for some kind of like little premiere or a Sundance premiere. I'm not sure how much the premiere is. And I think on the 22nd, they're supposed to post this clip to YouTube or whatever. And Richard Simmons came out today and disavowed the biopic. I love this how dead, dead, uh, Deadline reported it, right? I'm doing a lot of Deadline articles this week. Disavows the biopic, basically saying Richard Simmons basically went on Facebook, which he doesn't normally do, and says he has no manager, no publicist. He's not approved to any film. He likes to live a quiet, simple life. He's not involved in any of this stuff. And this, this whatever this film is happening, if it is happening, it's happening somehow without his permission, so he's not involved. Which I think if you like Richard Simmons, um, which I think all of us have no reason not to like him, and I think immediately makes the fit this, this film dead um, on arrival because I wouldn't be comfortable supporting and watching a film that Richard Simmons doesn't want people making about him. Um, and if Paulie Shore is involved, again, this doesn't look good. Paulie, it looks scammy. It looks like even if that's not what the intention was and the intentions were good, it does not look good. It's best to get away from it. Um, you know, kudos to him for drumming up the support. Kudos to him to, you know, doing the acting and trying to get the role. I haven't seen him do the performance yet, so I don't know if he's really good at it. It's hard for me to picture Pauly Shore not being Pauly Shore. So that I don't know if he has the ability to transform himself into Richard Simmons. Maybe he did, and that that'd be cool. You know, I'm, the videos, the small short film is done, and that might hit YouTube. So perhaps after it comes out, maybe Richard Simmons sees it somehow and decides to change his mind. Maybe not, and it's best just to leave it alone because I don't have any negative memories in my mind about Richard Simmons. Um, yeah, I think he's just one of those kind of like cultural icons that come through the eras, you know, and he's very unique in a sense where I feel like, you know, he exists in a very unique place. I think when celebrities go away sometimes, they end up having more of a fabled legacy because you don't see an end to it. I don't remember Richard Simmons ending. I remember Richard Simmons being there, and then then he was just gone one day. And it kind of creates, I think, a bit of a nice space in your head about somebody where, you know, they they kind of just are the way they are. I don't know him getting older or doing other things. He just exists in my mind as this one thing. And then obviously, there's videos online you can find of him. And he's such a you know interesting character for a workout person. Um, a really fun character. So hopefully, they leave it alone. I think it's best just to get away from it at this point. And uh, I hope Paulie Shore does find something that he can do, especially if he's seriously dedicated to the craft and he's trying to do something really serious. Maybe this will get him another role. Maybe someone else will offer him another job doing another kind of serious character somewhere. And again, I always hope good things for Paulie Shore. I um have I don't want any bad thing bad to happen to him, so I don't want this to be looked at as like me talking bad about Paulie Shore. I just feel like sometimes these things just um they don't they don't seem to add up. And then seeing that you know they did get on the websites and did get the articles going. And finding out that Richard Simmons is not cool with this, uh, that's a little disappointing. So we'll see what we'll goes from it. Hopefully all good things happen for both of them in the future. Um, but yeah, this is a very, very crazy story. Movie of the week. Boy, oh boy. it's This is going to be a hard segment. I don't want to remove the segment, but there are no movies to watch. I've been watching a lot of TV shows. I talked about I Love Lucy on the podcast recently. It's the number one thing dominating my house. Um, but I did get back into another sitcom-like show, another great, great sitcom. 
um, which is the Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory is, um, I guess, my pick for movie of the week this week because there's no movies to talk about. But um, my God, you can put the show back on, and it's phenomenal. And after watching so much I Love Lucy, it was kind of hard for me to get back into TV because I Love Lucy is that good. I actually got season seven, eight, and nine, which aren't really seasons. I don't know how that works out, but um, they switched the format of I Love Lucy to being like, um, you know, instead of like 20-minute shows, they, they moved up to like an hour-long episode, and I believe they did like one episode a month or something like that. And um, they, you, you can't find these on streaming services. I had to buy a DVD of this to watch those seasons. So since I did the episode about I Love Lucy, I've seen those last few seasons, and they're phenomenal. You see, it continues off just how the show was. So the Desi... The Lucy and Desi Comedy Hour, or Desi and Lucy Comedy Hour, I don't know how they, they worded it, is basically I Love Lucy, but it was kind of different. And um, just the format of the show changed and stuff, but the, the, the jokes are as funny as ever. Uh, great cat cast. It really is season seven, eight, and nine. Like, I'd never seen that before when a show like ended and then completely switched its style and continued for like three more seasons. And it's the same set, same actors, same story. But it was called something different. It wasn't called the same show anymore. It's very unique TV show experience. Um, but after watching it and it being so good, just I mean, so amazed by those vaudeville actors, those actors back in that, that era when they were expected to have so many skills. Um, watching regular actors just act nowadays, it became a little disappointing to me because the actors on I Love Lucy could do so much. But Big Bang Theory, while the actors kind of only do one thing, I think that show is still phenomenal. Um, I'm not going to say it's better than I Love Lucy. We're just not going to even do that kind of direct comparison. But Big Bang helped me kind of get back into more modern, regular TV because I just think the cast and the writing is so funny. There's just so many jokes, so many laughs per minute that you can get out of that show. No matter how many times I go back to watch it again, um, I did not watch Big Bang Theory when it aired. I wasn't like a big initial fan of it. I came and found it much later after the show already had ended. So I think that this show really holds up. And in 2024, I threw it back on, and it's as funny as ever. I'm, I'm, there's a lot of jokes. I don't remember exactly what's going to happen. Sometimes I know what's coming, but it's still funny. And yeah, if you guys aren't watching it, it gives you tons of content. I watched Live and Loose, I think, for two months, um, almost on a daily basis. I had it on in the background. That's how long it took me to get through all of it. And it's like having it in the background while I do other things. But um, Big Bang Theory, now I'm, I'm back on that, hopefully, and I keep that going. So that gives you guys a bunch of content. We're going to have a rough year with the writer strikes and there not being a lot of things coming out. But hopefully we can get through it. Maybe we got to do that instead of movie of the week. I always call it movie of the week because that's how I start the segment. But uh, maybe, you know, movie of the week, uh, a.k.a. shows to watch while we wait for another movie of the week to come back. Uh, maybe that's what we'll do. This is kind of a funny topic. Um, you know, the director of John Wick is basically working with Liongate to oversee John Wick and Highlander franchises. Um, the, the most the reason why this sticks out to me is because the first screenplay I ever completed, I completed with a friend. It was for, um, you know, our idea for Highlander or maybe my idea. And he helped me. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not trying to say anything like that. I don't know. How, I don't know if how he would like me to describe it. Um, but however it would be, I'm, I'm, I like it being our idea. Um, we, we worked on this Highlander screenplay, I think for about a year or two, maybe two years. And I remember being worried and feeling pressure because at the time 
I had heard the director of John Wick was going to do Highlander for like Netflix or something like that. And I remember feeling a pressure thinking, oh no, while I love the director of John Wick, I'm working on this screenplay. And even though it was my first screenplay and they say you never sell your first screenplay, um, I still was really liking how it was coming out towards the end. And I was hopeful that, well, maybe, maybe this screenplay is so good that somebody will actually like it um, because I thought the story was really cool. And I, like, I thought our take on the Highlander was cool and the characters and the scenes and everything we had come up with. I was really excited about it. And I really thought like objectively, like this might actually be pretty, pretty, you know, good. And it was my first screenplay, but it wasn't his first screenplay. So I thought maybe that's, that's why, you know, this is even better because I had him helping me and mentoring me and stuff. Um, so I, I thought I had a chance. And I remember I was so worried about it, like, oh, man, you know, this other director is now working on Highlander and, you know, no one's going to care about our thing. He probably has his own idea because um, he's brilliant. I love I love Deadpool. I believe he worked on. I love the John Wick movies. I absolutely love John Wick movies. And when he told me, ah, don't worry about it, man. You know, this this stuff happens all the time. Um, these films, you know, stay around in like developmental hells, what they call it. And, um, you know, and it is they're probably trying to make Highlander forever. But it's, you don't see a trailer. You don't see any actor being announced. Um, you know, you hear about this kind of stuff all the time. It's been seven years. It's been seven years since that initial announcement. And today, 2024, January 17th, at Deadline.com front page, supposedly, um, I think it's Chad Stel- Stelhensky. Um, that's a, that's my, my one weakness as a podcaster is that I am horrible at reading names. I need like an assistant that like reads me the name and gives me, like an audio clip so I can hear it. But Chad is uh, he just inked the deal apparently with Liongate to oversee John Wick and Highlander franchises. It's been seven years. That screenplay I wrote was like five years ago, right? Me and my friend wrote that, and um, yeah, he was one hundred percent right. <laughs> I wanted to mention that in the podcast. I thought that was so funny because, like, I'm sure this happened many times with many different things, but thinking about this one particular situation, I always wonder, like, is he getting paid every time there's a deal? I think he announced that there was deals before, or were they not deals? Was he just attached to it? How has this gone on for so long? Or, you know, did he want to do it and really wanted to focus on John Wick because I think the entire franchise is basically come and gone at this point, all the ones of Keanu at least. Uh, that's what it looks like. Maybe now he's ready to move on to Highlander. And um, I know they are, they've even done the John Wick TV show and still there's no Highlander project that's come out. So definitely, you know, shout out to him for um, saying that and being so accurate on that. It's so funny to me to see that this took seven years and still no actor announced, so it's no trailer coming, um, just a, another deal apparently or another idea that maybe they might start doing something Highlander-esque. Um, I don't know. It kind of gives me a little feeling of like, hey, maybe I should dust off that Highlander screenplay and see if I can go find Chad, right? But I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, but who knows? That would be, this is a good podcast because maybe we'll look back on this one day and be like, yeah, look, it still took another four or five years for them to get the movie done. And uh, Sammy went and found him and, and got the whole thing done. I don't know if that's possible. But I have to mention that I guess, you know, in relevancy like, you know, to everyone here and the whole Get Creative with Sammy Ride project and all that kind of stuff like that or whatever we call it. Um, yeah, like if you're working on something and you're doing something, you see it through to the end. I did get the screenplay done with him eventually and I did enjoy it. And it just felt like wasn't the thing to do. 
Um, I think for all those reasons, you know, there's lots of reasons not try to promote it or put it out there. I don't know if we ever sent Highlander around anywhere. Um, I know the second screenplay we did, we did send around places. But um, yeah, if you guys are working on something or you want to do something, it's it's really funny how time works that way. When you can look back at all that time that passed and see that show has never, there's never come out. There's not been a Highlander movie, not been a Highlander show. And yeah, that's that's amazing to me. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever want to see it or share it with you, but I'd love, I would love to share it and talk to you guys about it. That'd be really cool, actually. That gives me some ideas, some creative ideas, uh, some fun things I could do. Maybe some of those scenes or panels from Highlander. Maybe make some content for the channel and put that stuff out. God, it's time for the after show. I am exhausted. It is freezing cold where I am. The world is covered in ice. I am exhausted, but I'm trying to bring you guys another podcast to keep the energy high. It has been an exhausting type week. Um, I don't want to get too much into the conversations I'm having with my friends, but this week, a big amount of my mental time has been sabotaged and stolen from me because of this stupid Drake and most deaf beef. I am at my wits end with it. I don't care. It's not even a beef. It's just it's just, it's just regular. Um, Denzel Washington commented on this, and he said it so well, and I'm going to ruin it because I can't say it as well as he explained it. But he mentioned something, basically, like, you know, like people almost have an, an addiction now, like this clickbait addiction to being offended or being upset, right? So like, you could pick up your phone, and you could do anything you want on the internet, but instead, people come across these articles and they click on them knowing that it's going to make them upset or give them a reason to be outraged. And they click on them anyway. And then they get outraged and upset. And it sabotages your time. and takes away, you know, your energy or whatever. And why? Why does that matter for me with the Most Deaf and the whole Drake comments? Really, it's not a beef. It's just a comment that Most Deaf made on this uh, podcast. It's because me and my friends love hip-hop music. We love rap music. However you... I didn't even know... Until today, the people were referring to hip-hop and rap as if they were two different things. But apparently they are in some circles. I don't know. Um, you know, to me, hip-hop and rap is just, just, you know, rapping is something you do. And some all rap music is rap music. And hip-hop is, is the music, but it's also the culture. Um, I, feel, I feel like it's like the word Jewish, right? I think like Jewish is also a religion, but also an ethnicity, right? It's not necessarily always the same thing. Um, but sometimes the same words used for multiple things. And, you know, clothing is the way you dress can be hip-hop. All this, you know, you're dressing, it has like a hip-hop style. Um, when I do AI art, sometimes I might say a character and describe them as wearing hip-hop clothing or urban clothing. That might be a word that's interchangeable. Not all urban environments have hip-hop in them, but I think a lot of the ones we think about do. Um, these are just words. They're words that we use to try to communicate to each other an idea or something that we feel. And yeah, that's that um that that little interview from Most Def has got everybody talking. I think it really comes from the fact that you know Drake is such an established person in in music and in rap and in hip hop and pop and whatever. And Most Def is just a unique person where he's he's somebody that um is very respected for the his contributions and the music he made while he was making music, um in hip hop. You know and. 
you don't really see a lot of people, I guess, speak ill will or, you know, come out and kind of make fun of Drake from that kind of a, a place. You know, Drake beefing with somebody or having an argument with somebody, that's normal. But you don't really see, like, the OGs or the the other rappers, I guess, that have more credibility, you know, comment on him. So people kind of got, got a little bit of uproar, especially because it wasn't like, you know, oh, Drake, I didn't like that song. It was Drake, a whole entire music is pop music. Um and I won't get much into it here, you know, I guess, you know, for the closing of the podcast this week, I'll just say that it has been exhausting. I'm 100% exhausted talking about this issue with my friends. And I think really, you know, it all comes from just, I don't know why people feel the need to um to do this to each other. I try my best on the podcast and I got almost 200 episodes um, or 150 episodes to prove it. I don't like talking about other artists in a negative way. I always try to find a way to highlight them. Um, I don't think that it's positive. And again, behind closed doors, I'm a regular guy. I, I'm sure I got hot takes on people. And I say certain kind of things. But as a person who has a very small podcast, I know this is just my little thing I like to do. I still feel as though my, my words carry a little bit of weight. And, it should, and I, I watch what I say, basically. I watch what I say on this show. Because I don't want anyone to ever even get their feelings hurt um, if they somehow heard this in some way. How embarrassed would I be if I came across someone like Paulie Shore, who I mentioned on this week's show? And I, I like Paulie Shore. <laughs> Do I think he's perfect? No, not at all. But if I met Paulie Shore, I'd be really excited to meet Paulie Shore. He gave me a lot of laughs as a child, even some laughs as an adult with my family. Um you know, that's a special thing. It's a special thing to accomplish that. Not everyone gets to do that. And um, I'd be really happy to meet Paulie Shore. I don't know how he'd be in real life. I, I don't, I'd be a little worried, I guess. If someone said, hey, you want to go down the street and meet Paulie Shore? I don't know if I'd be willing to go because I would hope that it would be fun and it wouldn't be disappointing. He seems nice, um, you know, nowadays, but I don't know. He seems a bit also like a character that might be a little wild. You don't know exactly what you're going to get uh, from what I've seen. So, you know, not, the, you know, I can not imagine, I don't think in my life somehow I ever will meet Paulie Shore, but like, imagine if somehow I'd be, you know, anything I do gets more successful and then someone finds the issue I did where I said Paulie Shore shouldn't do, you know, or the podcast I did where Paulie Shore shouldn't do Richard Simmons biopic or whatever. And then Paulie Shore hears that. And as a regular human, I would feel upset. I'd feel sad if he heard that and then somehow interpreted it as something negative. Like I didn't say anything bad on this show. But what if I did? What if I just ah ha ha laughed and jumped all over him and attacked him? Like he's a person. When he hears that, that that would that would suck for anyone, right? Um, if he somehow heard it, you know. Again, I know my podcast is small and it's not a big deal. My point is that even for me being an obscure, no one knows me kind of podcast, I still feel like I have a responsibility to watch what I say. Maybe it's my upbringing. Maybe I sometimes I would teach my kids, hey, you want to get on the recording? You want to say something? People are going to take that recording and play it for people. And you have a responsibility to conduct yourselves in a way that matters. If you want to live your life as like, oh, I don't care who I am. I don't care who I offend. I don't care who I hurt. Okay. Yeah, I've heard that too. I've heard that whole angle. I see lots of people do it. <laughs> I see a lot of people also eventually at some point take it back or wish they didn't say something or apologize. And I, what's the point of that, right? What's the point of saying whatever you want to say if then later on you're apologizing or you're deleting your tweet, or you're deleting your Instagram stream where you went off on a tangent. You got to go make amends and make up people. What's the point of all that, right? Just 
people should just be nicer to each other. I don't understand all the hate. I don't understand all the people being mean. And I don't understand the 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 happiness of watching other people, you know, get taken down or suffering. If it's an evil person, then I can understand that. If someone's doing something mean or bad, um, I, I don't know. If you've seen someone who is a criminal, like like it's the Harvey Weinstein's a great situation, right? It's universally understood that person did a bad thing and now we believe he's in jail, right? I think, yeah, Harvey Weinstein's in jail. Um, for criminal acts, then if everyone wants to jump on him and they're like, yeah, I'm glad a criminal went to put to jail, I understand that. But then, like, seeing just a person that you don't like and then just being like, oh, I'm happy that they're suffering. Or I'm happy that they're getting knocked down now because I don't like them because they're stupid. I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't think there's a positive energy that comes from that. I just don't see the point of it. Um, and again, I think it's it's overall exhausting. So super cold. I hope you guys are doing your best to stay warm. And um, that's pretty much my mind has been consumed by that topic this week. So I don't have much else I can say based on anything else. I hope you guys have had a great podcast this week. Um, hope you guys had fun. And I'm looking forward to whipping up something else for you guys, you know, and keep it moving, right? You guys take care. I'm Simi Rai. Peace.